0: Crypto, pornography, and sex toys? It's a very spicy episode of the Balance of Power Roundtable, broadcast on WKXL Radio, available wherever you get your podcasts and available as a video on the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. I'm Matt Robeson, your host, coming at you down the center. And from my left flank is former Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes. And on my right, conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant Alicia Preston. Folks, this is an episode where maybe the kids shouldn't be listening in if the kids are into the Balance (laughs) of Power Roundtable, because we are about to get spicy up in here. Um, Let's start with a decidedly non-spicy topic, a really maybe a dull topic, but one that I think connects to the uh, hot theme of the day. Sam Bankman-Fried was supposed to show up in Congress to talk about the collapse of his cryptocurrency exchange and the collapse of crypto. In general, he was supposed to testify this morning as we record this, December 13th, 2022. He's not going to be able to make it because he's been arrested in the Bahamas as part of an extradition treaty. He is going to be charged with uh, crimes um, as part of the collapse of his exchange. Let's talk for a moment about crypto. Now, none of us are technology experts, but we have talked a lot on this show from a public policy and politics standpoint about regulation, about how the government regulates the internet and financial services. And Paul, I want to start with you. When you served in Congress, you were a member of the Financial Services Committee. And you were a member of that committee during and after the epic Wall Street collapse. And part of the issue at that time was Wall Street getting involved in these highly exotic i i don't want to call them even investment vehicles mezzanine credit default obligations and credit default swaps and all kinds of abstruse financial mechanisms that only a few people on wall street really understood and that basically pulled the whole economy down because they were so complex they were um and they were vapor right they were they were basically a steaming pile of crap um And it really raised the question at the time, and you were part of passing landmark legislation to try to oversee Wall Street. Are you hearing as many echoes of that time in your head as I am as a staffer to you at the time when you hear about all of the insanity of the cryptocurrency market? Uh,
1: Yes and no. Um, uh, Yes, in that you've got a sort of a runaway a runaway industry um that is of real you know hugely significant size and scale and scope that's been made possible by new technology and and the internet that congress has not either i i think i think members have been aware of cryptocurrency probably a lot of the members were invested in cryptocurrency um but um it it's it hasn't been regulated i mean people were talking about similar kinds of off the books um financial financial systems when i was there um years ago but nothing really has been done so so that's the yes is it is it ripe for for regulation sure uh, but that gets into questions about regulating the internet and there's a real um, there's a real antipathy among members to wade into regulating what, what regulating the internet, frankly. Um, and there's a there's a big discussion about that. So so that's the yes on the no side. Um, the Wall Street establishment uh, was doing this uh, dealing uh, in 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 crazy instruments uh, in the back rooms with a few traders and making huge huge profits so that the wall street leaders were basically turning a blind eye to the risks because their profits were so huge and their investments were so small in in the way these um vehicles grew and overtook uh, essentially overtook wall street so so there that was something that was, you know, evident, because you were dealing with the Wall Street establishment. So there's a there's a yet there's a yes, and and there's a no. And it doesn't look like the cryptocurrency issues threatened to bring down the global economy, the way of the uh, crisis in 2007, eight um, uh, did. I mean, that was, that was an extraordinary, extraordinary experience.
0: Well, I'll give you one difference right here off the bat. Thank you. That That's a really helpful set of insights here. I mean, the, the major difference is we actually have an executive in handcuffs, which is not something we saw in the wake of the 2008 financial collapse and something that was probably a gigantic political mistake, probably a bit of a failure of the obama administration which i know you and i otherwise not, both not, admire
1: not a bit of a failure it was an abject failure on the part of the uh, obama administration and democrats not to put um uh, people in handcuffs for vile for for doing what what they did um it, it, the political fallout was really bad
0: for democrats well alicia i want to turn to you and i, I at the risk of putting you on blast I want to reveal something that you and I were talking about before we got on the air, which is you admitted, look, I don't know a ton about cryptocurrency. And that's good for the purposes of this discussion, because I would bet most normal humans don't either. And most political leaders, most elected officials don't either. Look, we just had a uh, former U.S. Senator Heidi Heitkamp on this show talking about innovation and technology. And the first thing she said was, all of her former colleagues in the Senate, they don't understand any of this stuff. And so it it in a way, I think you are the ideal person to comment on this because I, I'm interested in sort of how the crypto topic hits your clients as a consultant, the people you talk to who are analysts and strategists within the Republican Party, because it feels like cryptocurrency kind of hits a fault line in conservative ideology. There's sort of a libertarian bent of the party that would seem to favor this kind of, the promise of escaping from, you know, government oversight of our currency and regulation and banking. And then there's also kind of this, you know, like uh, conservative bent toward, hey, what is this stuff for? Um, And the ties that it otherwise has to like, dark web and all kinds of illicit stuff. this is where we start to get into the spicy stuff that I think cultural conservatives probably don't like very much. Um, what kinds of discussions have you been privy to in Republican circles? How are how are folks thinking about the crypto issue?
2: Well, I think you nailed it. There are two factions within the Republican Party that discuss it. One is the libertarian leaning who like to be out from under the regulation of the federal government and their currency system. And they are the ones that participate in crypto support, crypto crypto, promote it. Then there's more traditional Republicans, which are the majority of us who are still trying to figure it out. But we feel much more secure with traditional banks and cash and, and what we're used to working with, even if we know the dollar isn't backed by gold like it used to be. So, you know, it's more of a trying to understand it, not wanting to participate in it. I have to be honest. I look at this, and I'm not an expert in crypto in any way, shape, or form, and I don't intend to become one. I am very unsympathetic to the people who gave billions of dollars to a guy who was then 27 years old to invest in genie money over the internet. It's like fabricated currency and people gave him billions of dollars to do this. And he used it to buy houses and cars and boats and live in Hong Kong. And at some point I just go, you know what? Sometimes you people with money are just, you got too much. It makes you dumb. And that's kind of how I feel about this whole situation right now. Those that were part of systems that didn't know they were investing in crypto. Cause I read an article that said that some people were just, you know, they went to an investor to invest in retirement and some of it was put in this. I sympathize with that. And anybody who put seniors' money, retirement accounts, into crypto in this manner, they too should be prosecuted. There should be a long line of people. But, you know, the whole thing, it's its invented currency on the Internet for people to get out from under-regulation. And, look, I really believe the U.S. is way over-regulated in about every single industry that there is. But one place we should be regulated is money. I think that's a good thing. And by the so, way, am I the only one that noticed that the guy's last name is Bank Man Fried? Like to <laughs> me, that's an irony that nice. you should know not to give him money. Yeah.
1: yeah. So so look, what 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 let's be clear about what he did. What he did was he started an exchange that made money by facilitating trades of cryptocurrencies and taking transaction fees from those trades. So he essentially was trying to set up um, um, kind of a stock market uh, in a way. He was setting up an, an exchange where people could buy and sell cryptocurrencies and they his his firm took transaction fees. And when he started just a few years ago, um it was was slightly ahead of the curve in terms of the explosion in the value of cryptocurrency as cryptocurrency value exploded so did his so did his so did his business now he's been charged with fraud um for allegedly lying to people about uh, the true valuation of his business and 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 what he was doing but i mean look the internet is 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 pretty much magic anyway right i mean it's 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 magic so cryptocurrency um, and it was is based on a technology called blockchain, and blockchain is a series of transactions which can then be used to verify um, uh, verify a transaction through a, a a a trail on the internet that you can that you can follow. Um, the entire cryptocurrency uh, business is is built on the the magic of the of the internet and the the I think kind of uh um interesting idea that people um enough people doing enough transactions and leaving enough of a trail are is a sufficient hedge against uh, value and devaluing of a currency I, I mean I never got I never got it I never got interested I I've heard people talk about investing in cryptocurrency with 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 as as if it was, you know, true magic. You know, there's, there's, I'm, I'm buying, I'm buying Bitcoin. Um, um, you know, my mother has a, has a small, uh, you know, has an investment in Bitcoin because the people who are helping her with her money invested in Bitcoin. I sent the guy an email the other day. I said, So, how's your Bitcoin doing? He got back to me, he said, well, I guess we'll have to talk. So, I mean, you know, investing runs the risk of loss. Um, That's what they say on television at the bottom of the ads when they tell you to to, uh, sign on with a financial advisor, right? Well, with Bitcoin, it turns out that the value is now down 65%. And Mr. Bankman is in
0: handcuffs. So I'd like to connect some of the dots here because sometimes when my kids, who are wonderful, they're amazing, but, you know, they're kids, and sometimes they get into hijinks, and I'll stop them in the middle of whatever they're doing, painting the walls, um, adding ketchup and mustard to grape juice, and seeing who will drink it first, and I'll just pause, and I'll say, wait, kids, why is this good? Give me a reason that it's good, and I was really delighted to see a Substack entry from a former Amazon executive who revealed that there was a search within Amazon to get into blockchain and crypto products because, hey, it was all the rage. And so they put all of their corporate resources into it to asking this question why is this stuff good? And what they basically found, and I'm going to quote here from his. Um, tell all about this, Um, actual working business applications of blockchain were really, really hard to find. In other words, there were not really any good businesses that they could find out there tied to this technology. And if you looked hard at the stuff that was on offer, it, quote, got pretty vaporous pretty fast. And so what you're left with is the White House has estimated that The electricity you use to create cryptocurrency, it's very complicated. I'm not going to get into the weeds about it, but it uses a lot of electricity. It's between 120 and 240 billion kilowatt hours per year. That's more electricity than Argentina or Australia use every year. The predominant usage of cryptocurrency is to fuel sales on the dark web. We're talking about sex trafficking, weapons, Pornography, illicit activities. So again, I'm going to circle back to this question of why is this good? And the answer from Amazon, the answer from analysts, what you what you look, what you get when you get when you have serious people who have looked hard at this is there is no good that comes out of it. I'm sorry to our friends in the gaming industry, which is a euphemism, but it is gambling. At this stage, it is simply gambling, and everything you guys have said, Paul has now disappeared because he has a virtual background on. Um, he talked about becoming pretty vaporous pretty fast. Paul has evaporated. Um, yeah. So there you go. There's the magic of the internet for you. No, this is good. We like it better that way. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, there is no there is no case that anyone has convincingly made that something good comes out of this. Now, Alicia, the reason I posed that question to you, and I think you you nailed it, is there are libertarian types who will say, oh, well, it gets us out of the thumb, out from under the thumb of like governments, regulating currency and you know banks and exchange and all that. Again, I would pose the question, why is that good? Don't we want central banks to try to deal with the business cycle? Isn't the fact that we're fighting inflation and we're trying to overcome it because we had unprecedented global economic disruptions around the pandemic, isn't that something that we want a banking system to do and not leave in the hands of yahoos like Sam Bankman fried So that's my rant on this. What, What bothers me especially is the piece of this where these kind of technology over-optimists, these fantasists kind of say like, oh, we'll be able to do all these amazing things in the future. Again, I come back to the fact that what we're able to do now is essentially enable people to buy weapons and to, to traffic illicitly and to pay for pornography. And we have grappled with the problems we have on the internet today, which are that The vast majority of the growth of the internet was fueled by access to pornography. And pornography remains sort of the the secret sauce to profitability on the internet for for many, many companies. This is sort of like, it's part of the backbone of profitability that we don't ever really talk about because it's impolite. And I think we're skirting the edge since we're on terrestrial radio. So that's my challenge to people out there. Explain to me, like I'm a two-year-old, why this stuff is good and why the government shouldn't come in, not just like and arrest Sam Bankman freed, but guns blazing like Elliot Ness and shut all of this crap down until people can definitively show that it's not basically just gambling that is going to wipe out people who are too credulous to avoid getting into it. And then it's essentially just an enabling mechanism for all kinds of illegal activity otherwise. Anyone?
2: Well, I mean, what can the federal government do? I mean, uh, human trafficking is illegal. Illegal weapon purchases are already illegal. I mean, what can the federal government do when you're talking about a global Internet currency? How can they shut it down? What are they shutting down? It'll pop up somewhere else, just like illegal pornography, human trafficking, illegal gun purchases, drug purchases, all that happened online and much that is used with cryptocurrency to to cycle the payments for this stuff. So the question becomes, what can the federal government do? This is global. I don't have the answer. But, you know, I think what we can do is educate people a bit about the risk. You know, I'm not anti-gaming, I'm all for gambling. But when I gamble, I know I'm taking a risk. It's a form of entertainment. It's not an investment. And that's the difference. People have to learn that cryptocurrency is not an investment. It is gambling. And if you are aware of that and you're okay of that and you hope to get that big ding 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 at the end with the slot machines and the lights and bells, that's fine. But you shouldn't spend money on a risk like this if you can't afford to lose it and what we saw with the bankman fried i still love that if the guy look i'm a little superstitious but if that were his name i would automatically not give him a dollar
0: listen listen you remember how we were talking about the uh twitter rant that matt taibbi went on at Mm -hmm. elon musk's behest you know and it was all talking about vapor it was all bs right and there was this figure that came into it this this guy named Carl Zabo who i said sounded like a bond villain you know who he used to work for he used to work for a guy named Orson Swindle oh my if that's see? your name change <laughs> your name so we promised earlier that we were going to get into some spicy territory And I've held out as long as I can. Hopefully the FCC has stopped listening at this point in the show because (laughs) we put them to sleep with discussions of cryptocurrency. Because I am going to read something that was published in the New York Post. These are the comments of Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's never said anything controversial in her life. Um, And uh, let let me get her exact quote here because I feel like that might protect me from otherwise saying things on the air that could get me uh, arrested. Here we go. So Marjorie Taylor Greene was speaking at the New York Young Republican Gala. So first of all, Mr. Preston, this is your political party where they think that the headliner for a young Republican is Marjorie Taylor Greene. All right. Remember that she's speaking to young Republicans when I read you the following thing that she thought was appropriate to say to them. She lamented, apparently, that nowadays, oh, I just scrawled away from it. Yes. Her speech, this is the I'm gonna quote from the New York Post. Her speech took a strange turn when she noted how (laughs) you can pick up a butt plug or a dildo at Target nowadays while bashing Mm -hmm. transgender-friendly policies in classrooms. Alicia Preston, defend your girl.
2: No, I mean. (laughs) So, so that listeners understand in the mornings before we do the show, we send around emails to each other and Matt sent this quote to me. So I decided to Google it because I was unfamiliar with it. I I didn't know I
0: sent it, by the way, I I sent it as part of like a rundown of, of notable things. I hadn't even, I hadn't even read this part. So when Alicia told me, should we talk about the dildo thing? I was like, what are you talking about? I like, Googled not, this book. I have heard
2: about it. Do not Google words like that, that Marjorie Taylor Green shared. It will send you down a path you probably don't want to go down. Or if you do, that's fine. Just know what you're going down, what path you're going down when you Google those words like butt plug and dildo, Marjorie Taylor Green. You get an interesting cachet. Um, I don't know what she was trying to achieve here, but it did in my little Perusal of the internet this morning make me learn that she's right. CVS and Target do sell sex toys, but it's not new. She was lamenting like new trans policies and how did we get here? It's been going on for a decade. And then I learned this other fun fact: the original, the first known sex toy was discovered recently in Germany, estimated to be thirty thousand years old. So Marjorie Taylor thirty thousand years 30, 000, old twenty nine thousand BC is its estimated time found in Germany.
1: Um, of course, probably happened. what you'd find at CVS, you know, <laughs> because who buys sure. their sex toys at CVS? Yes. Only Marjorie Taylor Green. No, it was Target. It was Target. Oh, okay. I just pictured Target. So, to to Target so say, Margaret Taylor, Mar- Marjorie Taylor Green, walks into Target and says, "Hi, I'm looking for a thirty thousand year old dildo," and they <laughs> no. say, "Well, you're looking at them." And, and <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what 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 is Marjorie Taylor Green talking about? Was she <laughs> was she condemning the use of sex toys, or was she ext- Stoling the use of sex toys as a counter to the uh, progressive approach to um, to inclusion of, of sexual preference. Who knows what Marjorie Taylor Greene was thinking? But wait a, second, wait I'm a stuck, second.
0: I'm stuck, Paul. Wait, I'm stuck on the image of you going into Target and saying... Can you direct me to your prehistoric German stone dildo section? There you go. But <laughs> by if, the way, prehistoric stone dildos would be an amazing, amazing name, for, name a rock for a band. band. Is that is, you I, gotta I, change the name of your I'm band. Write that down. Yeah, I got a German my band is stone dildos. Paulos. Oh Paulos my god! Are we getting re- kicked off the re- air? Is is that that what's the about band. to happen here.
1: I'm renaming the band. Prehistoric stone dildos. <laughs> um, um, if you want to talk about dildos and Marjorie Taylor Greene in the same sentence, that's easy because. At the same gala for the New York Young Republicans, um, she deflected accusations that she and Steve Bannon were behind the events of January sixth, and she celebrated by saying, "I want to tell you something. If Steve Bannon and I had organized that, we would have won. Not to mention, it would have been armed. So, yes, armed with, armed with dildos. Lasers. Yeah, with prehistoric <laughs> right. stone well, dildos. Stone,
0: you could really yeah, do right. some <laughs> damage with them. You Wait, could listen, really just back up for a second. Since we're since yeah. this is science, we have the excuse that this the science. Can you tell us more about the 30,000-year-old sex toy? What else have it you learned? Dis-
2: I've learned it was discovered in a cave in Germany. It is actually believed to have some connection to ancient Greece, but then that that makes it's total very sense
0: because I'm sorry, all, all respect to your husband and his people, but that makes total sense.
2: I didn't get into the article enough to know how they knew that this phallic rock formation was actually a a, a sex toy but apparently this is something scientists have this is
0: you know what this is this is a couple of researchers who are like how do we get a headline that will get us tenure uh I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure what they found was a random rock. Okay. Uh, that's that's no, what it was, they found. It's
2: like, it was um, styled. It, it had like a decorative engraving in it and stuff.
1: Happy
0: holidays. Can we go holidays. back to the fact that Marjorie bo- Taylor bo- goes into a gala? Okay. A, a gala. A bo- for bo- young gala. Republicans. For young Republicans. And it's like, can we talk about but for a second? Well, <laughs> what is wrong? I, well, okay, is, so, is great. so
1: given the libertarian views expressed on this program, I, I think it's time that I will now say, Sarah, uh, Alicia, you belong to a wonderful party where the discussion of prehistoric um, stone dildos is appropriate at a, at a fundraising gala for young Republicans. That's the kind of party that a lot more Americans probably want to be part of. Oh, it's a party. So, all right. It's you
0: know what? As a matter of fact, if anything, more people are going to want to sign up as Republicans. We probably oh, as right. a public service should stop talking about this. By the way, you know how I know that? It's because it's long been kind of an internet rumor that research shows that people in conservative states in in highly religious areas are the biggest consumers of porn. And uh I I made the same mistake Alicia made. Um, when we started talking about this, I started Googling. And, you know, so first of all, yeah. I'm gonna have to delete my searches. Okay. Um, second of all, um it, it's pretty amazing what you can find when you go on the internet. So I'd like to, I'd like to direct our alert listeners to this item if I can find it. Ah, here it is. So um, it turns out that in the early days of the internet, first of all, it is true that in the early days of the internet, 40% of online searches were for porn. Nowadays, that is a little bit lower. Um, Web and mobile searches are about 13 to 20% um, for pornography. So now to this question of, well, are they really higher in conservative areas? The answer is uh, nuanced. There has been a hierarchical analysis. I'm reading an article here, um, an academic article. Do people in conservative states really watch more porn? A hierarchical analysis. The answer is evangelicals who live in more politically conservative states report the highest rates of pornography. consumption providing more nuanced support for previous research linking religious and political conservatism with greater pornography consumption. The point is Marjorie Taylor Taylor Greene is crazy like a fox. She knows what these young Republicans want. She knows how to make the Republican Party seem like a party. And uh, she's right on brand. Is this, Alicia, is this the secret sauce that Republicans have is um, they they know what their folks want and they're going to give it to them?
2: I don't think she's that smart. Look, I think the whole evangelical and conservatives um, consuming more porn than others is 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 very simple, actually. And I mean, I don't know how deep you want to get into this discussion, but conservatives, quote unquote, evangelicals and whatnot, have forever pretended they don't like sex right they have to keep it quiet they have to keep it private they can't talk about such things they can't engage in such things they they withhold it from themselves because somehow that's what you're supposed to do and that's not human and so they have to sit in their little basements and look at porn online i'm very libertarian on a lot of these topics i don't care what anyone does with their life i don't care if you want to use sex toys i don't care if you want to consume pornography i don't care if you want to use prostitution I think all of it should be open and legal so we stop the things that it causes in the dark web which is human trafficking which is uh you know paying people which is drugging people to be in these porn sites Pornhub is under their parent company apparently it's like one of the biggest porn sites in the world it, it's um I forget what you call it, but it it just takes a bunch of stuff from other places and puts it on one hub. And uh, it's under indictment in the United States and other places because it is so unmonitored that there is human trafficking, there's child sex on there, and they're being held to account. I think we have to stop pretending, Marjorie Taylor Greene, that you're offended by a dildo and a target. Don't look at it. I don't care. And stop pretending that we don't engage in sex, participate in sex, and instead, Take the libertarian view on this. Let's get it all out in the open, and that will keep it safer. It'll keep it keep it more legal. You know, J.D. Vance, new senator from Ohio, wants to ban pornography across the country. That's not the answer. The answer is make it safe, make it legal, make it secure.
0: Well, this really does bring to mind, Paul, your former colleague, Barney Frank, who challenged his colleagues. He was the first out gay member of Congress. and. He challenged his colleagues. I remember this so vividly on the floor. He would turn to Republican social conservatives and say, how does my love affect your marriage? And there was never an answer, which is notable because today, as we record this, the president is going to sign the Respect for Marriage Act into law. And I am old enough to remember the debate. For the Marriage Protection Act, 1996, and Bill Clinton signing that into law, and I remember the 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 use, the intended use of gay marriage as a wedge issue. There's debate about how effective it was in 2004 by Karl Rove putting that issue on a lot of state ballot to drive, uh conservative turnout and. I just think it's amazing that we didn't lead the show with that because it's become such an of course issue, and it's it's you know the this idea that yes, of course we should respect people's same sex marriages, and we talked about this last week. Of course, interracial marriages. My goodness gracious, we didn't take that for granted fifty years ago in this country. Thank thank God we do now, and so it it really is amazing to me that there is still this strain within the republican party and within conservatism that that kind of combines these features of i'm going to clutch my pearls at a gala about sex imagining you by the way you can't buy these things at target i, mean, that's I like, googled
2: it and it actually they you can for about a decade really? target and cvs yeah i looked it up since one of them was starting in 2011 list. One of them was starting in 2012. I'm willing to bet in my little hometown in Hampton, New Hampshire, the CVS doesn't. But make no mistake, when I go uptown today, I am going into CVS and I'm going to look.
0: Listen, so I'm going, and uh, I will report listen, back. You need to you need to go out and do an investigative report for the balance of power roundtable. I want you in Target. I want you searching for butt plugs, and I want you to ask a young sales associate, "Could you explain the difference to me between these two models of dildo?" Okay, all right. <laughs>
1: So the Respect for Marriage Act, by the way, protects both LGBTQ plus and interracial couples. Um, and let's be in in in, the, in this in the holiday spirit of fairness, as opposed to my usual partisan rant, 12 Republican senators and 39 House GOP members joined the Democrats and in Independents to pass the bill. So this was a bipartisan show of support for real progress in the social fabric of the nation in in the face of uh, what we heard from the Supreme Court um, uh, and what they did uh, with with Roe v. Wade. Um, So this is a really important legislation in terms of the social issues that used to divide us so so severely. Uh, this This is, I think it's real progress to say that 12 Republican senators and 39 members of the House
0: joined the Democrats to pass the legislation. Can I poop in your cornflakes for a second though, Paul? Sure, go ahead. You've heard that sentence so many times this morning. I hate to repeat it, but that means by my count that what, 27, uh, 37 Republican senators voted against it. And that's the higher proportion of Republican House members. Now, look, I am not trying to this peoples genuinely held religious beliefs or social conservatism. If someone says to me, listen, Matt, I understand that same-sex couples in the world are a thing. I It's just not something I was raised to be used to. I need a minute to get used to it. If someone says that to me, I, I'm going to try to afford them some grace as a as a fellow human being as someone who's on the way and by the way um paul someone you know very very well someone who used to work for you is someone who taught me about this approach on this issue trevor chandler who is an out gay man and used to be on your staff who told me a story about running into a guy on the street the guy says essentially hey You look like Tom Brady, no homo. And Trevor, at that moment, could have recoiled, could have been disgusted, could have been offended. And instead, he said, well, actually, I am a homo, but uh, I'll take it. That's awesome. And the other guy said, oh, cool. And they fist bumped, and they went their separate ways. And the question I always ask myself is, that other man in that interaction, did he feel looked down upon? Did he feel rejected? Did he feel a need to double down on an awkward moment that could have been taken as bigotry, but was probably just, you know, a lagging social adjustment? So the point is, I am willing to give some grace to people who are on the journey to a place of acceptance and tolerance and and just getting used to something that they're you know, that that they weren't raised to be used to. And I think that that's a better political approach than dunking on people online. But all of that said, these are lawmakers making laws about fairness and equal treatment in our country under the law. And I don't take a lot of excuses from them when it comes to, no, we don't want to protect same-sex marriage. No, we don't want to protect interracial marriage. I don't think there that there's an excuse for that. I think if you are elected to high office in this country and you are responsible for making the laws that pertain to the United States, then you need to overcome whatever cultural lag you have and you need to stand up for fairness. So I do not excuse those 37 Republican senators and I've lost the math on how many Republican House members. We're standing against this. I, I just don't.
2: I think there are various reasons some of them opposed it. Some ideologically oppose gay marriage. Others, you know, and I said this when it first came up, there is such a thing as unnecessary legislation. I support this bill because it's newer. We discussed it before. People can listen back to what my thoughts are on this bill itself. Um, But, you know, there is such a thing as unnecessary legislation. The Supreme Court has ruled on this issue. It's a federal issue. It's a federal issue because of taxes and and marriage benefits and all kinds of things. It's not going to be like Roe v. Wade. You can't call it a state issue because of the federal implications of marriage. So there are people who will always vote against unnecessary legislation. I think that's part of it. Look, the vast majority of people, including Republicans, support gay marriage. We do. There's a very squeaky wheel on the far right that opposes gay marriage, and they get a lot of attention because they're they're different than the vast majority of us. Look, you, you mentioned how it's not huge news. We're not leading with this. Why isn't it huge news that this bill is being signed today? Because big news is controversial. This is not controversial because almost all of us agree, other than a small fringe amount of people, almost all Americans agree gay marriage should be legal. It is legal. It should be allowed. I'm with you. You mentioned it earlier. And actually, someone said this on a social media thread about this topic the other day. A fringe person was all upset that it's discriminating, was the word used, against my marriage, this woman was saying. And I said, how does a gay couple getting married? Discriminate or affect your marriage in any way, shape, or form, and the answer wasn't. I'm paraphrasing, but it lessens it. Now, I thought that was profoundly stupid, and I made a note of it because most of us feel like I, I, I'm i very happy in my marriage. I know all three of us here are married, and we get to enjoy that, and so should others. And that's how Americans feel, including the majority of Republicans.
0: Right, and for people who uh, are maybe against same-sex marriage. There's plenty of time when you're married that you are so aggravated at your spouse. And so think about it this way. Don't you want same-sex couples to be able to enjoy that aspect of marriage too? Actually, yeah. if you're if you're
2: against gay marriage because you're homophobic or, or anti-gay, like hate gay people, there aren't many of those out there left, but there are some. Exactly. They're suffering with what we have to suffer through
0: if you burn yeah. dinner.
2: You know, don't, I mean, come on. Yeah.
0: Like, do, don't you want the, the feeling of getting lectured by your spouse for something you forgot to do?
1: Yes, of course. <laughs>
0: Everyone should experience that. Wish My that on is- them the greatest human being on earth. And anyway, no, I mean, in all seriousness, I I was at a same-sex wedding several years back and the father of one of the brides um, was someone who was, I would say, on the pathway. And he was very honest in his father of the bride speech. He said, when his daughter first approached him about this, he said he was getting used to the diversity of all of this. And it was a perfect way of saying it, that he was trying to express he was going to be there. He loved his daughter. It was a difficult thing for him. He was trying and he was there as as much as he was having a hard time with it. So again, I know that there is a big swath of this country that I love of of people who feel that way. And I'm not going to dismiss them as deplorables or bigots. I'm not going to look down on them because they were raised with different cultural values. I, I I feel differently about interracial marriage, by the way, because I'm sorry we've had generations and generations for that cultural lag to for people to get over that. If you're still harboring that kind of bigotry, you know but my I I can get that people can be on the pathway. And the best thing we can do, and again, this is a lesson I learned from Trevor, is help them along, be open-minded, be open-hearted with them, Don't dismiss them. Don't say, you're irredeemable because you feel this way. Try to coax them along. Try and give them, how did we flip Americans' opinions about same-sex marriage? It was because they saw so many media figures, so many people they liked and respected, and characters on TV who were gay. And they said, oh, you know, this is cool. These are my neighbors. These are people I, I like to invite into my living room on my television set. And people got comfortable and they got comfortable fast. And that's the way to overcome this kind of thing, not to dismiss and dunk on people. Um, You know, and again, I'm I think that's the approach we should all be taking. But I afford less grace when it comes to elected officials who really ought to know better and who have a higher responsibility in the league.
2: I think for most people, Democrats, Republicans, it has been a progressive um, attitude shift over the last 30 years. And, you know, some of us are just too young to realize how the mentality of gay marriage and and support for same sex couples has changed because 40 years ago, nobody outwardly supported it except a very, very small margin of people. You know, I, I just really briefly, I'll tell you, when I was a young reporter, I was like 22, 23. I was against gay marriage. I wasn't against gay marriage. Gay marriage wasn't an issue back then. It was uh, civil unions was all the talk, right? And I was unsure how I felt about it because I was raised in a Christian household, although my mom's best friend so was gay. And so I was raised with Uncle Mark and all that kind of stuff. So it never was an issue for me. But I never thought about it. And I went to a press conference that was advocating for civil unions. I had to keep my opinions to myself. But it was a woman in her 60s whose partner of like 35 years died in a hospital nearby and she wasn't allowed to be with her because she was not quote-unquote family and i instantly supported civil unions because i hadn't thought of the pragmatic effect of not having this of not having it be allowed and then after that became laws, a gay marriage came up and i was kind of opposed to gay marriage because i was like i like traditional marriage and i listened to my side of the aisle's arguments against it and i woke up one day and said we don't have a good case here what are we opposing and I was for gay marriage. So we evolve. If you're willing to open your mind and evolve, we can and we should do that.
0: Right. And I think whatever happens legally, the important thing culturally, and this is a lesson to members of our party, Paul. I wrote an article about this called Deplorables versus Insufferables. We're not going to defeat deplorables by being insufferables.
1: Oh, I and like that one.
0: That's a well, good, a we good have one. Defo- thanks. That's good. Thanks. It's the Good best name. title I ever came up with. It's been all yeah. downhill since then. And I came up with it like four years ago. So I'm embarrassed, but I think, I think, <laughs> I think 30, that's what we need is
1: stone dildos.
0: Well, you know, I guess that's if a better time. Received, <laughs> received, received wisdom. It, it's that, it's, it's that, that kind of, that kind of thing is, uh, I guess, timeless. All right. On that horrible note uh, for Paul and I'm Matt and We will see you next time. If we're not kicked off the air.